Well, good morning. My name is Tim Jones, and we are so glad that you are here. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Epic Church. And today, we are going to continue in our message series called Counterfeit Gods. And we've been examining different idols that we put into our lives to replace God. And whether you believe in God or not, uh, we would all agree that there's different things in this world that are trying to become number one in our lives. And the thing with idols is that they're hard to see, and they often meet a need or deficit that we have within our lives. And when we embrace these idols, they often bring us a great amount of satisfaction or acceptance that we are looking for and that we are desiring. And yet idols always leave us wanting more and more. Now, today we're going to be looking at the idol of relationships. And by a raise of hands, how many of you have ever done something crazy to get the attention of someone that you liked? Come on, let's see those hands. Guys, if you're a guy, you've done this. All right, raise your hands. Girls, give them a flying elbow or something like that to make them raise their hands. Uh, But we've all done some crazy things. Let me share with you one of my crazy stories, okay? So back in the day when I was younger, uh, I was at this event, and she was there, okay, and uh, the girl that I liked. And at this event, they had different things you could do, and one of the events was that moonwalk thing or jumping thing, and so I'm in there, and I'm jumping around, and all of a sudden, she comes in with her friends, okay? So we're all kind of jumping in there and everything, and I think to myself, okay, it is time to impress, okay? Here's my chance. So I get the idea of I'm going to keep jumping higher and higher, and I'm going to do a flip, okay? So I'm jumping higher and higher in this moonwalk thing, and I go to do this flip, and yeah, it didn't work, okay? I like landed on my rear end, and all of a sudden I hear this rip, you know, but I'm so embarrassed, okay? So I'm just, I just get up really fast, and I'm jumping, hoping she didn't see it or anything like that, and all of a sudden, I'm jumping around. I'm like, man, it's kind of feeling a little breezy in here, okay? And in that moment, she looks at me, and she starts laughing, and she goes, your shorts are ripped, you know? And so I scurry out of there as fast as I can, and sure enough, like, my shorts are ripped from, like, the very front all the way around to the very back. Yeah, very embarrassing embarrassing to say the least. And let's just say I didn't end up with the girl either uh, from that experience. Um, But we all have kind of crazy stories like that um, where we try to do things to impress certain people. And we all have probably learned the hard way in our relationships, right? And some of us, I bet like me, you wish you could have some do-overs in your relationships, Um, Because all of a sudden, when we look at our relationships and we look back at them, when we look at the relationships that we were in, because there was some need that was in our lives that we desired for them to fulfill, we realize that we probably ended up getting hurt in a lot of our relationships. And here's the thing. When we try to meet our deep needs of recognition, acceptance, love, through relationships, we often will end up hurting ourselves and hurting someone else. And we do one of two things, okay? One, we either give control to someone that we like and expect them to meet certain needs, so we make them an idol in our lives, or we try to control someone so that they will meet our needs and we make our needs the idols in our lives. 
And here's what happens in that situation. We've all done this on some level or something, okay? In that first situation, this is what happens. We go into the relationship, we think that we're in control, and all of a sudden the relationship is controlling us. And we all of a sudden think that we should have somebody in our lives, and somebody walks by us who's very attractive, and we think that we need to be with them. And so we go out on a date with them. One date turns into several dates, and all of a sudden we are consumed by them. And we can't imagine life without them. Or someone comes along in our lives and they meet some need in our lives and they do something a little bit differently. They care for us. Maybe they listen to us and they understand us and they give us some amount of security or affirmation in our lives. And so we lower down the defenses in our lives and we allow them to come into our lives to meet the certain need that they're meeting. And as we progress in our relationships with them, all of a sudden, they stop meeting that need and something goes awry in the relationship. And here's what happens, okay? If we pause for a moment in that relationship and did some honest gut checks and we looked at our self-talk that was within us and we would see us making excuses on a regular basis basis of why we should be in that relationship and ignoring the facts that we're getting hurt in that relationship. Or if we try to control someone else to meet our needs, we make up excuses or we try to justify the reason that they should be in our lives, that it's better for them, but really it's only meeting our needs in the relationship. And here's what happens, okay? When we try to have our deep needs of recognition, acceptance, and love met by someone else, we create a disastrous web that is so intricate, that is so complicated, and has so many ramifications. Because ultimately, none of our needs can be met by someone else. No one can meet every single need in our lives. And so when we buy into that, when we put this as an idol in our lives, we create this disastrous web, and it gets complicated, it gets intricate, and it hurts us, and it hurts the relationships around us. And you and I, we've seen this happen a dozen times. We could talk about it, we could talk about other people, we could mention what happened to so-and-so and so-and-so, and I could give you tons of examples. But today, we are going to check out in the Bible how the Bible has this story uh, that we should pay attention to of us trying to control relationships. Now, if you thought Jerry Springer's show was bad, okay, this story that we're going to check out, it is wicked, okay? It has tons of deceit, it has lies, it has sibling rivalry, it has so-and-so sleeping with so-and-so, and you might be surprised, you're like, really, the Bible has that in it? Yeah, it does. And today we are going to look at how these people tried to control their relationships and what ended up happening in each of their lives. And so today we're going to turn to Genesis uh, chapter 29. If you have a Bible, if you would turn to that uh, chapter, um, that would be great. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in the back there as well. And we're going to look at how God intervenes in the midst of these relationships. Now, I'm going to do something. We're going to take about 11 chapters and condense it down really fast. So I'm going to go over certain sections, and you can keep up with me um, on the screens. But basically, what happens 
is this story really stretches from chapters 25 to 36. And before we jump in, you need to know this, okay? There's a man named Abraham, and God gave him a promise about 2000 BC, so almost 4,000 years ago. And he gave him a promise that he would make Abraham into a great nation, and through this nation that all of us would have an opportunity to come into a relationship with God. And this same promise that he gave to Abraham, he gave to Abraham's son, Isaac. And Isaac marries Rebekah, okay? And together, they have twin sons, Esau and Jacob. And God does something a little bit different. He tells both Isaac and Rebekah that the younger son will receive this promise, He will receive the birthright or the wealth of the family, the control of the family, the leadership, instead of the older son, Esau. Now, that was very unusual in the day. Usually, you gave that kind of stuff to the first son. But despite that, uh, Isaac does not listen to God. He loves his older son, Esau. He pours his time into him. He is ready to turn over the keys to the car to Esau and make things happen, give him the birthright, give him the wealth of the family, give him the leadership of the family. But Rachel is determined to make it happen for Jacob because she loves Jacob. And Instead of like consulting God and asking God how to work this thing out, they both try to control and manipulate each other into making it happen for each son. Okay? So, who wins out? Rebecca wins out. And it's ironic that Jacob's name kind of means controller and manipulator because that is representative. You'll see that throughout the story of how he tries to control and manipulate in every sense of the things that he's involved with. And so you need to pay attention to that. He ends up stealing Esau's birthright. Esau wants to kill him. And now he flees off to his mother's hometown, which is far, far, far away to get away from Esau. So that's where we're going to pick up today, and that's what you need to know before we jump in. So let's begin in Genesis 29, verse 16. Now Laban, this is Jacob's uncle, okay, had two daughters. So Jacob's been there for about a month. He gets to know his uncle, gets to know these two daughters. The older daughter was named Leah. The younger one was Rachel. There was no sparkle in Leah's eyes, okay? She is not attractive, But Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. Since Jacob was in love with Rachel, he told her father, I'll work for you for seven years if you give me Rachel, your younger daughter, as my wife. Agreed, Laban replied. I'd rather give her to you than to anyone else. Stay and work with me. So Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel, but his love for her was so strong that it seemed to him but a few days. And finally, the time came for him to marry her. I have fulfilled my agreement, Jacob said to Laban. Now give me my wife so I can sleep with her. Guys, never say that to your father-in-law, okay? (laughs) Just don't go there, all right? You can think it, don't go there. Anyways, um, Let's pause there for a moment. Some of you might be thinking, all right, cousins getting married back then. Uh, Okay, that was fine. It may seem a little West Virginia-ish to us. Uh, You know, uh, if you're from West Virginia, sorry, I'm not talking about you. Okay, but don't get caught up in that. All right, here's what's going on. Jacob is hurting. He's just fleed from his family. He's a long way away from his home. 
He may never see his mother. His father does not like him. Esau does not like him, ready to kill him, okay? He is alone. And what happens? What happens to Jacob? Well, what grabs his attention? A woman. And he is so in love with her. And he is willing to do anything. And in fact, he is willing to work for seven years, which is like way beyond the norm of the day. It's kind of like crazy, outrageous that he would offer up seven years uh, to get Rachel. And so, you know, but here's the truth. You know, guys, we do this all the time. When we see a girl that we like, man, we are willing to do just about anything, right? And we do silly things like myself, you know, doing flips and everything like that. But here's the thing. What happens is we think that we're in control of the relationship, but actually we become a servant to our desires. And we actually become controlled rather than being in control in the moment. And here's the the lie. The lie is we think that once we get this relationship, that we will be satisfied. And that's the driving motivation for us in relationships. But yet, that is not the truth. So let's continue and watch what this uncle does to his love-struck nephew. Verse 22, so Laban invited everyone in the neighborhood and prepared a wedding feast. But that night when it was dark, Laban took Leah to Jacob and he slept with her. Laban had given Leah a servant, Zilpah, to be her maid. But when Jacob woke up in the morning, obviously drinking way too much the night before, okay, it was Leah. What have you done to me, Jacob raged at Laban. I worked seven years for Rachel. Why have you tricked me? It's not our custom here to marry off a younger daughter ahead of the firstborn, Laban replied. But wait until the bridal week is over. Then we'll give you Rachel too, provided you promise to work another seven years for me. So Jacob agreed to work seven more years. A week after Jacob had married Leah, Laban gave him Rachel too. Laban gave Rachel a servant, Bilhah, to be her maid. So Jacob slept with Rachel too, and he loved her much more than Leah. And he stayed and worked for Laban the additional seven years. Now you thought your family was bad, okay? I don't know anybody who's got this happening. But anyways, here's Laban. He sees an opportunity to take care of his future son-in-law in his, inibri- in his drunken state, okay? And he knows that he will never get seven years for his oldest daughter. He may never get rid of his oldest daughter. And he treats her like a business transaction. And he switches the girls out that night. And then he also gets another seven years from Jacob for Rachel. And so here's this disastrous web that's being created. Here's Jacob, who is the controller and manipulator, and he gets outwitted by his uncle, okay? Now, I know the hardest thing in life is sometimes our own family relationships. Now, we just came off of Thanksgiving, and some of you are probably really happy that Thanksgiving is over, because when you look at your family relationships, there's a lot of hurt. Sometimes uh, there's a lot of sibling rivalry, and you still have that potentially going on in your relationships. Sometimes there is a parent who's trying to live through you rather than supporting you. Or sometimes there's a parent who's done so much damage that you would hope that you would never see them again, or at least until next year. And here's what happens. When we try to control our relationships and we put them above God, things that happen ultimately are this. Families suffer, 
okay? Marriages suffer. Children's relationships suffer. All because we have either given control to someone to try to meet a need within our lives, and we've made them an idol in our lives, or we are trying to control someone because we're trying to get a need from them that will never be met in our own lives. And what happens? It creates an intricate, complicated, disastrous web of destruction. And that's what's going on here in this story. Now let's uh, get back into the story. Here's poor Leah, who no one wants, okay? Verse 31, when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he enabled her to have children, but Rachel could not conceive. So Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, the Lord has noticed my misery, and now my husband will love me. Nope, Jacob doesn't love her. Verse 33, she soon became pregnant again and gave birth to another son. She named him Simeon, for she said, the Lord heard that I was unloved and has given me another son. Jacob still doesn't take notice of her. Then she became pregnant a third time and gave birth to another son. She named him Levi, for she said, surely this time my husband will feel affection for me since I have given him three sons. And yet Jacob did not. Verse 35, once again Leah become, became pregnant and gave birth to another son. She named him Judah, for she said, now I will praise the Lord. And what happens here, if you didn't catch it, she makes a small transition. She realizes finally that she will never receive the affection, the love that she is looking for from her husband. Instead, puts her hope and trust in God when she has child number four. Now, my heart goes out to Leah, and I think all of our hearts goes out to Leah. You know, when um, Sarah and I, we worked with college students, and our hearts would just break because we would see so many girls and so many guys who would put their hopes in each other, and especially the ladies, okay? Sometimes they would uh, long for this guy to meet them in a place of feeling loved by them, of feeling cherished by them, of feeling like they were going to take care of them, and they didn't. And it was interesting because after one relationship, they would get into another relationship and quickly into another relationship, but yet they never had what they were looking for, the love and acceptance. Now, some of you ladies have gone from one relationship to another relationship, and you've been looking for love and for acceptance. And those are real needs. And those are needs that need to be met. But here's the thing. Would you instead, would you instead invite God to meet you where no man has ever met you? Because ultimately, our needs are never met by another person fully. But yet God, who loves perfectly, will meet you at the place that no one else can would you be willing to invite God to love you? Would you be willing to let him cherish you? Would you allow him to meet you at that point of need that is so desperately needed? And he will because he cares about you. He loves us. And it breaks his heart when we do these things to one another. And this whole story gets more complicated and more complicated because we continue to try to control relationships and have needs met 
instead of inviting God into the situation. Now I'm going to switch gears a little bit because the rest of the story takes place over several, several chapters. And I'm going to summarize it before we get to this final scene. So I want you to hear kind of what happens in the rest of this intricate web of disaster that goes on. So Jacob allows each of his wives to continue to fight for his love, okay? And they are pitted against each other. And each of them give their servants to him as wives as well to battle it out on his affection and his love. And so all of a sudden he has four wives and he ends up having 12 children. And these children learn from dad. They learn how to control and manipulate as well. And they have disastrous relationships later on in life because they learned everything from Jacob. They learned how to be a controller. They learned how to manipulate. And uh, that uncle, well, sure enough, Jacob gets the upper hand. He manipulates him, and he gets most of uh, Laban's wealth from him. And so he flees Laban, and he's determined to go home after 20 years. He's wealthy. He's got tons of wives. He's got tons of kids. He's got all this power and everything. But Esau hears that Jacob is about to return, and he goes out with tons and tons of men to meet him. And Jacob's thinking, oh no, watch out. And so he is terrified. He thinks that his brother is about to take him out because he's going to defend his birthright that is potentially not his, but yet Jacob's, okay? And so here's Jacob, who's at times maybe listened to God, you know, and God's encountered him and tried to get him to go a different way, but yet he treats God like he treats everyone else. He treats him as a business associate, and he tries to manipulate, and he tries to make deals with God and says, God, if you do this, then I'll do this. And yet he is terrified. He is scared for his life, and he calls upon God. And you'd think God wouldn't answer him because he's been a controller and manipulator all of his life. But yet God does something really unique. He meets with Jacob. So if you would, in Genesis 32, verse 24, we see how this plays out. This left Jacob all alone in the camp. So the night before that Esau's coming, he's by himself. And a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Very painful. Then the man said, let me go for dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Now, some of you are thinking, what in the world is going on here? It's very strange. It's a very strange encounter. But here's what's going on, okay? This man shows up in the middle of the night, and Jacob is terrified. And they begin to wrestle and fight throughout the night, and no one is backing down. Both of them are stubborn, okay? Jacob is just stubborn as an ox, all right? And they get to the point where no one's winning, and the man reaches out and cripples Jacob's hip. And Jacob does the only thing that he knows to do. Instead of giving up, he grabs on to this man for dear life, okay? He is not going to back down. And this man all of a sudden tells Jacob something that would potentially give him the leg up. He's like, I've got to go. I've got to leave, and so Jacob does the only thing that he does 
knows to do. In that moment, he tries to control and manipulate again, and he says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Now, it's interesting. This man responds to him and kind of, you know, takes that, and he says, first, tell me your name. Now, like I said at the beginning, your name meant or reflected who you are. And Jacob had to admit, probably for the very first time in his life, that he was a controller and a manipulator. And so he honestly answers this man, and he says his name. And when he says his name, this man offers him up something he could not resist, something that he could never do on his own. And that is a new name, a new reputation, doing something different. Instead, Jacob, I am going to name you Israel, which means God fights. No longer will you be known as a controller and manipulator. Instead, I am offering you a new opportunity, a new life, because you know how much pain you have and how much pain you've caused in other people's lives as well. And so from this encounter, Jacob learns that he has really been wrestling with God. And if you wrestled with God and you saw God back in his day, it meant you were toast. But here, God did not squeak him out. Instead, he survived and he had a new name. And so here's what he learned. He learned that he had been trying to secure his birthright, secure a wife, secure the wealth, secure security in itself, secure this promise that God had made, but he realizes if he had only invited God into his life, God would have made those things happen. But instead, he had been fighting and fighting and fighting God himself in those moments. Now, don't miss this, okay? When we try to control, we invite disaster, hardship, and hurt upon our lives. When we try to elevate our relationships above God, we are the ones who end up suffering. We are the ones who end up seeing other people get hurt in these situations. And so some of us, we get mad at God because he doesn't give us someone. Or sometimes we get mad at God for allowing us to be in the situations that we are in. But yet, we never invited God to be in control. Instead, we have been fighting and fighting and fighting with him. Instead of simply inviting God to be in control of our relationships. Now, some of you, you are in a place like Jacob. You are at a crisis moment, okay? And you are so tempted to turn to that same old relationship or try another relationship or do the same thing again. Would you instead, would you invite God into that situation? Would you invite him into that deepest need that you are longing for to be fulfilled? Would you invite him into that need for recognition, for acceptance, or for love? Because here's what God will do. If we stop controlling, God is always there. And when we cry out to him, God will meet us, and he will offer us a new opportunity. 
and he will offer us a new name, and he will fight with us. And that's what we simply need to do instead of fighting and fighting and fighting against him. Now today, some of you, you know, you're ready to kind of make a decision to say, okay, God, you know what? I'm ready to stop fighting you, and I am ready to invite you into my life. You know, uh, some of us, you know, we are parents, and we have been trying to meet a need in our lives um, through our children and pouring our energy into them. Or maybe some of you have been trying to uh, control a relationship, and you go and look for love in all the wrong places, and yet you don't find a relationship. Or some of you have moved from one relationship to another relationship to another relationship, looking for love and looking for acceptance. Some of you are in that web of disaster right now, and some of you don't know what to do, and you don't know how to handle things, and you're trying to control and trying to manipulate other people in that situation. And some of you are like, okay, God... What do you want me to do? And here's what we need to do. We need to stop fighting him. We need to stop fighting him. And we need to invite him into our relationships. And so if you would like to do that today, here's what you can do. All you have to do is cry out to him. At any point in this story, if someone had cried out to God, God would have answered him you know, but they kept fighting and fighting and fighting. So if you're a parent who's trying to like get all their needs met through their children, would you, would you let go and invite God? Would you say to God, God, I will look for you to be my fulfillment rather than my children, okay? I'm going to let go of my children and entrust them to you. And instead, I'm going to look to you to meet my needs, For some of you who've been looking for love in all the wrong places, it's time to give control to him and say, God, would you control my relationships, okay? And for some of you who've been moving from relationship to relationship to relationship, it's time to invite God into that place where you need to be met, where you need to be loved, where you need to be cherished, where you need recognition, where you need acceptance, Would you give him the opportunity instead of turning to these idols over and over because idols will always leave us wanting more and more and more and more. And God knows that. And he does not want this web of disaster to happen in our lives ever. And if we turn to him, he will give us a new opportunity. If you are in a mess right now, if you turn to him, he will give you a new and fresh start today. So in a moment here, I'm going to close out in prayer. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to invite God into your situation. Would you let go and invite God? And so if there's something during this series that potentially he's been trying to, you know, wrestle away and we don't like things to be wrestled away from us, would you just let go and invite him into that area? And also, um, sometimes we need help. And so this Friday, there's a new ministry that's starting up, and it's called Lifeline, okay? And if anyone is struggling with anything, this is a great ministry to go to. If, if relationships is your idol in your life, then this is a group of people who would love to walk with you to see you and to see that grip of that thing on your life be finally let go and continuing to walk with God to help you 
and not have that in control of your life. And so there's flyers on your seats. If you're interested in that, I would highly recommend it. It is a great thing that's happening and going to be happening in our county. So um, I'm going to invite the band up, but I'm going to, let's pause for a moment. And if you would, bow your heads with me. And if you need, and close your eyes, and if you need to talk to God, here's your moment to carve out that time to meet with God and let go and invite him. Father, we uh, come to you and we are so glad to see that you never give up on us. And when we wrestle with a subject like this, we're really wrestling with you. And it's hard because some of these idols, they love to be in our lives and they bring us a lot of great satisfaction and acceptance but yet they always leave us wanting more and more. So Father, would you, would you come into our hearts? Would you come into our lives? Would you give us a new opportunity like you did Jacob? You always do that, God. You are always amazing. You never leave us out on our own. You never neglect us. You never say that there is no hope for that person. So we thank you, God, and we look to you to meet us where no one could ever meet us, to give us your love, to give us your acceptance. And when we mess up tomorrow, you are still there. And we thank you so much for how you want to rescue us from these webs of disaster that we have built ourselves. And so, Father, today we surrender and we give you control and we invite you to meet us where we need to be met. And so we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, please join me and thank you to the worship team. Awesome. It's, it's great to come in here and just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not the best singer, so I tend to just kind of you know, just glorify God and just sit there and close my eyes and hear everybody else sing, just for everybody else's, you know, just, just so I don't sing. But it's, it's awesome going through this series. It's not really an easy message. Um, when people point out just different things that we need to take from here and lower down here on our list and raise up God, it's not easy. So hearing a song like that, that uh, has all these topics have the same message, the same factor that if we glorify God, that we can overcome this. He has our back no matter what. Um, and it's great to hear that. Just, uh, just thank you for the worship team. Um, but my name's Cody Anderson, and before we dive into this message, I have a few announcements for you. If this is your first time here at Epic, and uh, you're just checking this out, we have the Connection Center over in the back corner. Uh, if you could, just stop by there. Um, it just gives you a little information about Epic and what the heartbeat is here at Epic, and they'll give you a little packet that just tells you all about it. And then Surge Youth Ministry is our middle and high school youth ministry. 
Um, and what we have, uh, we actually just did, we uh, partnered with Grace Food Pantry and uh, Feed Flagler, and we had about 30 people come out and help this past week, the day before Thanksgiving. And it was awesome to see just the giving hearts that just our family here had. Uh, you know, they were serving food, they were handing out just packages with all this food in it so they could take it home to their families. And the biggest thing, they were just conversing with everybody. Everybody was just so outgoing and welcoming. And uh, I would just like to say thank you for everybody that came to that. That was an awesome turnout. And as you can see up on the screen, we have, uh, we have an event coming up. It's a, a campfire, bonfire type thing. We're not camping, so I guess it's a bonfire. But it's going to be on December 1st at 6 p.m. at Palm Coast Community Church. And the best thing to do, if you know middle schoolers or high schoolers or um, you haven't plugged in with uh, Epic yet or Epic Surge yet, get on our Facebook page. Check that out. All of our stuff goes through there. Everything is announced there besides here. And if you have any questions about any events or what we're doing, that's where we post all of our vol- volunteering, all of our our events, um, everything that we have going on. And the next we have is, uh, as you can see, we have a Christmas tree back here because we are in the season. So I know you guys just got through Black Friday, so don't bombard it yet. Don't start going crazy and knocking people over. But it is our giving tree. The pa- past couple weeks, we nominated people to um, give gifts to, just fill needs of people in our church, out in our community, um, just people that you know that have needs that just can't fill them right now to be able to help them out and make it a little easier. Um, but we have, there's, there's uh, little tags on there, and they have numbers on them, but they also have the needs on there. Um, which are going to be toys, clothes, uh, gift cards, which will be for just needs that the family has where they can go out and purchase them, and wrapping paper. So, um, and we also um, partnered with Alpha Pregnancy Center. Um, so there's going to be some baby needs on there too, needs for mothers that just uh, need some extra stuff going into the holidays. So what you could do is um, once you take that, you can go purchase the gift, and then the next two weeks you can bring it back here to the Connection Center and make sure you have the card attached to it because there's a number on the card so we know exactly which family it's supposed to go to. So if you could do that for me, that would be great. Um, And then also, God asks us to give of our time, our talents, and our resources. And if you call Epic your home, and you'd like to partner with us in bridging the gap so people can come here and experience what you're experiencing now, there's two ways that you can give. You can give on our website, which is theepicchurch.com, or we have giving boxes right behind all the seats here that you can give that way also. So thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message, and have a great day.